2: call larry now studio lines are open at 855 rose 123 that's 855-767-3123 making money sense is on the air
3: welcome once again to the larry rosenthal show making money sense and here he is larry rosenthal himself our financial and retirement expert here in studio good morning sir
1: Good morning Chris. How are you today?
3: Well, you know, I I'm a, a little uh, blown away, I, if you will use, a, you know, I would to use that curriculum because it's uh, it's been windy.
1: It has been, definitely, <laughs> you know. Unfortunately, it's uh, you know, caused some damage and some some tragedies. It's very sad. Yeah, that is. Um, yeah, it's just I uh, can't wait for these winds to get out of here.
3: I've been getting a lot of my neighbor's stuff. It's just been blown into my yard. I don't know if you've had that or not. it strong, strong winds. It's amazing. Yeah. I've never felt anything like it in my, in my life.
1: Have you? I know. No. I mean, it's, and it, they're relentless. They keep coming. Yeah, they do, but at least, at least hopefully they're on their way out of here, here soon. They are. They are, definitely. So, hey, you know, each week, uh, well, well, first of all, welcome to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal show. Each week, I usually start the show off with uh, what's happened in the markets, talk a little bit about the economy, this, that, and the other. Let me put some perspective on this here. Last year, in 2017, the S&P 500 did 19%, okay? In January, the market did 6%. Right now, year-to-date, the Dow is down, 6, is down 0.73, and the S&P 500 is up 0. 0.66. So basically, if you take a look at 2017 and 2018, 2017, the S&P did 19%. 2018, the market's flat. Okay. There's There's the perspective on all this volatility, right? So we've given up 6% so far year-to-date. Based off the high January twenty sixth in two thousand and eighteen, not a big deal. So ride right okay. the storm. It sounds like. Well, you know, you have to take a look here at the underpinnings of the economy. What's happening is the economy still expanding or is it contracting? The economy is expanding and it's expanding quite well. So you know, first we had the fear of inflation. Jobs report came out. February 2nd, talking about wages increasing over the last 12 months, 2.9%, largest increase in years, which is, hey, something we've all wanted, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely, and that creates inflation, which makes interest rates rise. That was sort of the fear of the volatility a little bit. Then some hedge funds unwinding created more volatility. Things started leveling out a little bit, still had some volatility, and now we hear talk about tariffs, tariffs. Oh, yeah. Okay, so what does that mean? You know, hey, we've got a new scenario here. What 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 is what is happening here? So when President Trump started talking about tariffs the other day on on steel and aluminum, 25% and 10%, you know, the market sort of looked at that and freaked out a little bit, got a little nervous. Yesterday the market opened up way way down only to to close uh just off a little bit. So ask yourself the question, you know, what what do when When we send, you know, what do we pay to ship our goods to China, to other countries? What do we pay when our goods enter their nation? On the other hand, what do their goods pay when they enter our nation? And the trade deficit's imbalanced. And I think that's what he's talking about. So at the end of the day here, this is just sort of the opening of it all. What does it mean? Where where do the numbers end up at? All these types of things is it is it real? you know we have to wait and see i've've I've been doing extensive reading on this uh, over the last twenty four hours or so and 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 I've concluded that it's good for some and bad for others. Yeah. How's this going to play out? Let me just tell you something some basic blocking and tackling that 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 we as investors financial advisors understand, and people need to understand this, when government changes policy, when government changes things, when they change taxes, when they change interest rates, when they change tariffs, when they change whatever it is that they do, okay, up there, we as investors quickly have to assess how is this going to affect our investments. And sometimes when they make a change it sort of gives you the idea, the idea of, you know what, we need to take some of our investments and move them away from a certain area and some of our other investments and move them toward a certain area based off of what comes out of Washington. Two things come out of Washington. Well, a lot comes out of Washington, but two main things come out of Washington, Chris, and that's fiscal policy and monetary policy monetary policy again deals with the federal reserve the controlling of the you know the monetary uh policy interest rates inflation tracking you know jobs all that kind of stuff whereas fiscal policy tax and spend okay tariffs it's a tax it's a tax on stuff coming in so so what's going to happen here so you know wall street sort of figured out some of the volatility about or, or some of the, the the issues on this when it was announced thursday afternoon Markets went nuts uh, Friday morning, they opened up way, way down, only to come back to close down slightly. I'm talking about the Dow and um, uh, you know so so maybe Wall Street's figuring this out at the end of the day, you know whatever my, my point here, my message is this will this will smooth out over time here. We need to see how it all plays out and, and what the real deal is with all of this, and we need to balance your make sure your investments are balanced. From a risk-adjusted scenario, okay, and, and and in the end, you know, again, I'm hearing comments on both sides of this debate right now. I'm, I did tons and tons of reading on, on this in, in order to bring it to you today, and and the lesson is make sure your investments are, are 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 risk-adjusted. They're balanced in proportion to what your needs are, your risk acceptance level, your time horizon, your liquidity needs, and all of that. You know, there, there's, there, you know, get, going back to, to basically know what you own, and what are the risks involved from fiscal policy, monetary policy, with the different assets that you own. How do they react in different areas? You know, and and so uh, again, this is just a, a perfect lesson in investing. You know, you cannot control. The outside forces on your investments, you have to be able to be nimble and quick and, and rebalance and do things, certain areas like that. So remember, all of this volatility that we're having is, hap- is happening on an expanding, growing economy. We haven't had market volatility in two years. From 2010 to 2017, we've had seven pullbacks, four of which have been over 10%. And that's all happened in a rising market and a rising economy, so this is going to pass, and remember also that that this volatility in that we've been having here in February in the first couple of days of March, we have not seen the tax earnings hit uh, I'm sorry the the tax impacts. Uh, take effect of corporate earnings yet. That's going to be reported in April and May when corporations report their first quarter earnings for January, February, March of 2018. We're going to see what their earnings look like in in April and May, for the most part, of the first quarter. Earnings are estimated to be up double digits this year, mainly, the, the, the w- which is huge. And And at the end of the day, people buy stock based off the future anticipated earnings of a corporation. So we'll have to wait and see how this stuff smooths out in April and May, and uh, and and kind of go from there. You know, if you're concerned about how much money you had January 26 in your portfolios versus how much you had today, basically it was a six percent pullback. Okay, which is not a correction. It was just a 6% move when you look at year-to-date figures and all of that. If you're concerned, if you're nervous about it, then basically you just want to sit down and take take a look with your advisor. If you're not working with one or if you want a second opinion, give us a call. We'll show you in a matter of moments how to very quickly assess the risk returns in your portfolio. Because, you know, you want to make sure you, at the, the the stock market and the economy is setting up – for this scenario, Chris, it's setting up to win by not losing. And what I mean by that is at some point down the road, and I'm not saying this is on the horizon anytime soon, but at some point down the road, the economy will slow down and contract, and we will have another recession. Sometime down the road, whether it's next Tuesday, a one year from now, two years from now, five years, eight years, 11 years from now, at some point that will happen, and that's when you're going to win by not losing. So you need to make sure that your portfolios are, a, are ready to be adjusted to that type of a scenario, and so you have a core bunch of holdings in your portfolio that uh pretty much are going to you know be the the stabling balance of it all, so so when
3: you think when you're talking about that core balance when you when you're talking about you know i think you call it uh, divesting correctly right across various different sectors and such what is i mean what is the ideal
1: balance is it does it change from person to person so the ideal balance does change from person to person, Chris, and when you take a look at this, let's just put it on a timeline you know and understand the rule here the closer you are in time to needing your money the more conservative that money needs to be mm. okay so so you know as as you're think of it as, as buckets you, you you have money that you're going to spend in 1 to 3 years that money's going to be very very stable then you have money that you're going to spend in 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 3 to 6 years that money can get a little bit of growth and then so far on out you know so so you, you the, this goes back to the the mixture between Risk assets and conservative assets, mm-hmm. or stocks and bonds, okay? Uh, in, in Wall Street language, it looks at the beta. Remember, the market measures risk through, a, through a, a formula called beta. The market has a risk of 1.00. I was explaining this to a new client the other day. I said, look, here's the market. It has a risk of 1.00. Currently, your risk may be at 1.1, meaning you're 10% more risky than the market. Whereas they said, you know what? I don't like that. Let's let's look at slicing that down. So then you take a look at a beta maybe of 0.85. So now you're 15% less risky than the market. This all goes to your sleep test. And it all goes yeah. to, you know, if you're laying in bed at night going, man, I got too much <laughs> risk in my investments, right? Then gonna uh, sell you first need to thing change in the it around. That's exactly right. And yeah. my point is... <laughs> Take a look at where your portfolios are right now. You know, if your portfolios are up two or three percent for the year, while the market's up point six six, meaning S and P, probably doing pretty good. You're probably in some asset classes that are doing well in this type of an economy: rising interest rates, tax cuts, expanding economy growth, jobs numbers look good. You know, what type of asset or investments do well in that type of a with that type of a backdrop? Have you
3: ever considered yourself a financial therapist before? I mean, it's almost like you have to psychologically soothe somebody if they're
1: <laughs> in a rough state. You Sometimes know? it happens, you know. So, so it, it really does, you know. Yeah. But a lot of times, you know, when you take a look at all the numbers, Chris, and, and you back up and you go, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was something like over the last 20 years or whatever it was, the S&P, or maybe 30 years, the S&P averaged around 10%, but yet the average investor was, was a little under 3% during that same time frame. You know, that's because people excuse me, that's because people are always getting in and out of the market and they're trying to time things and you just can't do that. Anyway, my point is here, let's just wait and see how this figures out, see what happens in earnings season in April and May and make sure your portfolios are positioned well. And uh, that's the real key to everything. So give us a ring here, 855-ROSE-123. We're going to open up our phone lines with any questions that you may have today this windy Saturday, March 3rd, 2018, give us a call here at 855-ROSE-123, 855 I'm Larry Rosenthal. And you're listening to Making Money Sense, and we will be back in a moment.
4: Have you ever wanted to be part of something big?
3: Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa.
4: Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life?
3: Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise.
4: Now you can be part of something that brings hope.
3: What we do is we actually... For the school fees.
4: For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year.
3: We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing.
4: Call now 703 201 2494. Or go to starschildrenafrica.org.
3: For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school.
4: 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You're listening to The Larry Rosenthal Show on 105.1
3: FM WAVA. If you'd like to dial in to talk to Larry Rosenthal, here's a phone number for you, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in studio.
1: Larry. Sure, Chris. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about today is some questions, you know, in the financial planning world that sort of keep you up at night as well as talk about Roth conversions, they're big in the news. We talked a little bit about this last week, and they are just big in the financial news right now. And I just want, you know, we'll, ta- we'll caution people on how to make some, mis- you know, to avoid some of the mistakes in that, uh, but also talk a little bit today about how how they could be very beneficial Before we get into that, though, I want to just sort of, you know, get back to since we're having some market volatility of what keeps you up at night. And I've got this sort of broken out. If you're interested in getting this list, we can send you out the brochure on this. But it's going to cover questions in retirement, educational planning, life events, Mm. elder care, financial basics, estate planning. What are some of the things that keep you up at night? You know, just look at estate planning. What should I know about estate planning? I know it keeps my what? wife up at night, and that's my snoring. But you know, there you go, there you go. But you know, stop and think about it. What under the under the heading of estate planning, what should I know about it? What, how do you ask the questions? You don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah there you go. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, when, no, you, when you don't know, you yeah, when you're stopping and thinking about this, where where really you know what what how does estate planning affect you? Do I need a will? Do I need a trust? How do I protect my estate from taxes? Well, hold it a second. What kind of taxes? Are you talking about inheritance, estate tax? Are you talking about a state estate tax? Are you talking about an income tax to your heirs, a capital gain tax to your heirs? What type of taxes are you talking about? You know, when we talk about taxes, we have to really unpack them and see the different types of taxes that are levied against an estate, right? Uh, will will your family be secure if something happens to you? Are your beneficiary forms filled out correctly? Mm-hmm. You know, do you have your assets going to the right places that you want them to go to?
3: I think that is one thing that keeps you up at night. You're worrying about your
1: family being taken care of if something happens to you. That's for sure. Absolutely, yeah. a- absolutely. You know, just I've just got a whole list, dozens and dozens and dozens of questions sitting here. Again, if you want a copy of this give us a ring 855-rose123 or go to my website larryrosenthal.com and we would be happy to send you out an email with all of this uh in, information on it but I'm not sure you know, I
3: want to read that because it might keep me up at night.
1: <laughs> well, it's it, it will. It's it's a good it's a good set of questions, really Chris, that will that will really help you be proactive, you yeah, know. It's a good you know, thing. so so some some people are like this, you know, it's like, you know, you're you're driving down the road and the oil light comes on and you and you know You've got another 1,500 or 2,000 miles to go before something could really happen to the car, okay? Yeah. And some people see that oil light, they pull over, they get it fixed right then and there. And other people are like, They'll well, even get their we'll car just towed to wait, 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 sure. wait, sure. you know, and procrastinate on it all till something happens. So, the, you know, these list of questions are meant for the person that, yeah. you know, hey, what, what don't I know? What mm-hmm. can I do to better my situation? You know, how can I create a legacy for my children? some people There's, close their eyes and then I'm, I'm sometimes I'm, point. i've yep. been
3: one of those persons that does that occasionally on time and then when it, by the time you open
1: your eyes it's sometimes a little too late so yeah it it could be you know but again under the heading of estate planning you know just just covering all different types of things oh i don't have to worry about about taxes to my heirs they're fine or or you know what i've saved all my life you know they, they So what if they have to pay some tax? They, they can deal with it. They can work, you know. Hey, and that's fine. There's plenty of people that, that, and that, that okay works with that. for them. Sure. That's exactly right. But also there's plenty of people that say, you know what, well, wait a minute. How can I minimize this? Remember the that's tax code, the first good. two-thirds of it explain how the government's going to take our money. The last third of it explains how we can legally minimize the impact to ourselves and to our heirs. So, you know, unpacking the whole tax scenario really lets you – you know, when you lay it all out there, and you see how assets transfer between spouses, between non-spouses, uh, different generations, to charities, getting involved, all this kind of stuff, you really see, um, you know, some some planning opportunities that that could be minimized if if you're interested in doing that. How do you how do you leave a legacy for your children? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, are um, well, wait a minute here. I'm living. I'm 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 living really long in retirement. I need this money. I don't want to. Make sure everything's set up for them. I, I certainly want to enjoy my standard of living in retirement years. I, I don't want to be a miser and not not, not enjoy and, and all that. You know, how do you balance that? That's where planning comes in. That's for that, sure. That is where planning yeah. comes in. How do you go about balancing the standard of living today during retirement? Okay, in your senior years in retirement, while 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 trying to also pass assets on to charities, to heirs, to grandkids, to great grandkids. How do you balance that scenario out? What, what assets should go where? How does it all work? How do you create a legacy for your heirs?
3: I know we've had this conversation before, Larry, but I wanted to kind of pick your brain about you've got kids that are growing up and you want them to be able to be self-sufficient. So how much do you give them? So that they can be self-sufficient, and it's just not all, you know, I've got dad's money. I don't have to worry about working. I don't, Chris,
1: know? this is something that people struggle with all the time. Now, if you're talking about when you pass, how much do you leave them or while you're alive? Right. So so let's just talk about when when someone passes, how much do you leave them? Obviously, you know, you want to leave them enough that they get started in life. Or they can be assisted in life, but not enough that they just sit on a couch all day, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now, those are pretty much the guardrails that a lot of people work in in in, in between. How do you go about doing that? How do you know you know, what you're leaving today for somebody that is, is, might be appropriate 15 more years down the road after you're gone, right? Mm-hmm. So, so they need to be updated from time to time. And, and as family dynamics change and people's goals change and assets change, then you, you're going to rebalance. You know, you're going you're gonna to tweak some things from time to time and all of that. But, Chris, there's there's many ways to go about doing it. You know, there's more and more often people are are looking to to put incentive clauses inside trust. You know, hey, I'm going to leave this for the for the kids or the grandkids, but I want to attach a little incentive to it. You know, like maybe a trust will get funded with some life insurance proceeds tax free and then the the language in the trust might say, you know, hey, if if so and so you know gets a job after college, this will match 15 percent of their income for the first three years, you know, and then 20 percent, you know, that type of it's stuff. It's
3: like an incentive-based trust of
1: sorts. Exactly. There's incentive clauses that you can put into them, you know, and 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 all different scenarios. You're really limited by your own imagination there. But and how you know, about the, if
3: uh, if my son remembers my birthday every year, I give him a certain amount. That there you go. I'm sure he'll remember it, right? <laughs>
1: You probably would, right? I don't know if that's a wise thing or not, <laughs> right? You know what? What? How can you provide for charities too? You know, in estate planning, e- even while you're alive, you know, all different ways to do this. the The, the tax code is very generous, and as a matter of fact, in the tax changes right now, no changes were made to charitable contributions, which is wonderful. And the tax code's very generous in how we can give assets, whether they're tangible or intangible assets, to charities. Uh, receive a current tax deduction today or one in the future too so uh, it's pretty pretty interesting you know uh, uh, another thing under the estate planning is what will your survivors need to know how do your survivors go about taking uh assets how do they go about receiving the assets what happens if a survivor doesn't want an asset Mm. can they disclaim it then what happens under the rules of disclaiming the asset that's all in the trust, right? Who does it go to? That's on the beneficiary form. Who does oh. it go to? You know, a lot of a lot of people will say, you know, it's very important to put multiple generations of beneficiaries down on your beneficiary form in case somebody wants to disclaim something so it'll automatically pass down to the next person. I always thought it was a simple
3: form. It was just a beneficiary form where you named the individuals and the percentages. There's you can, more t-
1: but there's rules governing the beneficiary form that allow you to do some, some planning. Uh, after somebody passes, you know, Mm. to take a look here, take a look real quick at the, at the lifetime tax advantage stretch IRA, you know, so, so if your beneficiary form is filled out correctly, you know, husband dies, money goes to spouse. Spouse says, you know what? I I don't need this money. I'm going to disclaim it. And that means it goes to the next beneficiary down the line, which might be the kids. The kids might say, we're doing okay. I don't need it. I'm going to make it go to the grandkids. Now, if the grandkids are on the beneficiary form, now all of a sudden you get, you know, maybe a ten-year-old grandchild who has uh, uh, now all of a sudden received, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in an IRA. That money can kick out income to them for the rest of their life. It can go on. It can live as far as eighty-two point four years after the original owner passes. So there's all types of estate planning tricks and, and and benefits that you can use just falling off the beneficiary form simply by using a disclaiming mechanism on it. Um, you know, I, I know someone who who, who did that before. And lots of people do it for estate for planning purposes. But, you know, when you take a look here at, at taking withdrawals from retirement plans, and, and this data is by the Investment Company Institute in 2017. It's the latest data looking at, at IRAs in 2016. So people that that have IRAs or receive IRAs as an inherited benefit under age 70 there there there's five choices that they can take the money out they they can do it based off of a of, off of required minimum distribution lump sum regular dollar amount coming out fixed percentage based off a of life expectancy or just some other way but the number one choice was a lump sum 36% of people took it as a lump sum hmm. okay and and what that means is that a lot of people don't understand the advantage of stretching the IRA and turning it into income. When you take the when you when you take Big the, tax hit
3: right I mean, huge tax
1: hit yeah. yep when you take the the IRA out and and take it under income a little bit each year, it lowers the tax. It allows it to grow, but at the same time. At any point, you can reach in and take it all out if you wanted to. But a lot of people don't understand this rule, and they're paying a, a very large, early, unnecessary tax. And so people need to really understand how to maximize the withdrawals on inherited IRAs. You when, see this principle in the lottery
3: a lot of times. So you hear about a lottery. You know, when people win the lottery, they get this option of a lump sum versus you know getting some money out over time. And if they take that lump sum, they take a huge huge tax hit. It's the same kind of thing whereas if you take it over time, you actually end up with more money. So it depends on how they how they do it. But yeah.
1: Well, that that is the case there, but but in this case it's here, I mean, I you're going to be able to you can stretch it. You can say, "No, give me the income distribution off of this." Knowing that you can take the lump sum at any time you want oh, to, you whereas do if that, you sign right. up in the lottery, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know your choices are irrevocable. You yeah, I got you. Take the money, Chris. Depends how big it is. So. <laughs> hey, let's Our take a quick break. Here. The Give us a ring this morning at eight five five rose one two three. That's 855-767-3123. You listen to making money since I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment.
2: You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making
1: Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Tarot at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller, Your loan is already pre-approved, and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan-first pre-approved certificate. 571-490-7117. Or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Terreau at McLean Mortgage, 571 490 7117. Troy Terreau and McLean Mortgage Corporations, NMLS numbers 5618 and
3: 99665. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Now, here's Larry Rosenthal. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, and here he is, Larry Rosenthal himself. If you'd like to dial in, give us a call at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE123, with any questions that you have. Larry.
1: Sure, Chris. So we were talking a little bit about IRAs and things, and and as I mentioned at the top of the show, Roth conversions are really heating up. Uh, We'll be talking about this in our upcoming seminars, uh, so stay tuned on that. It's a big, big subject this year. And the reason why is because of what we call the tax arbitrage, or basically what that means is at some point in the past, most people put money into their retirement plans pre-tax, and they probably did it at a higher tax rate. Mm. Whereas today, you can probably pull the money out at a lower tax rate simply because of the tax changes uh, in, in, in the rates. So it's very interesting right now to see all this stuff going on. So you have to really take a look at boiling this down because there's there's lots of choices involved with this and lots of little tax gotchas in it all, but at the end of the day, again, like I like I talked before, everybody who has IRAs really needs to take a good solid look at at how to do these conversions and and how they would all work. So, so I
3: have to ask the question, Larry: Why in the world, in today's world, would you ever get a traditional IRA versus versus a you know, a regular a Roth because it seems like you would save so much money on taxes over time.
1: You know, Chris, they're, 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 the Roth IRA is an ingenious way to be a win-win scenario. It's generating lots of current revenue for uh, uh, for the government as well as great tax-free revenue for for people retired. It's really been a win-win, and this win-win scenario I think is going to last for a handful of more decades. And and when you stop and look at this, you know, some of the stuff that was put into the tax proposal changes was to actually limit the amount of money that goes into pre-tax contributions. Right now, if you're 55 and – I'm sorry, 50 and over, you can put in 24-5 into a pre-retirement plan, 401K with your catch-up provision and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, if you lower that, if they were to lower that from, from 24-5, say, down to 20000 then then that means that if somebody was saving that money – that means now that money is going to be taxed. That extra forty five, fifty five hundred dollars is going to be taxed, or or forty five hundred dollars in that example is going to be taxed, versus going in pre tax. That simply just by lowering the amount of contributions that you can put into your retirement plans, it will generate more money to the IRS in a current year. Okay, so so that's that's almost Rothizing. That's almost having people go more towards Roth in their retirement plans because now you're going to pay a tax today. But you're gonna which is gonna generate dollars for the IRS for the government today, but down the road the money's gonna come out tax free. Well people say, Well, wait a minute, the government could change it down the road. Sure they can. But you know, they're they're probably not, at least for many, many decades. You know, nobody knows, but it's a great, great tax generator for current budget situations mm-hmm. doing the Roth IRA. You know, look at when the Roth IRA came in. In 1998, they give you four years to pay the tax on the converted amount. And then again in 2010, they did a one-time offer where if you convert now, in 2010, you have two years to pay the tax. Okay? So when you stop and you really look at that, you know, what What a great thing. If the government needs to raise money, let's say next year, they can say, hey, this year we're doing a one-time special. We'll pay give you three years to pay the tax on it. So then so many people go out and convert and generates X amount of dollars, and boom, there you go. Um, so it's kind of a win-win type of a scenario there. But there's some gotchas. Mm-hmm. There's some, some different things that you need to look at. Are you on Medicare? Are you taking Social Security? What is your tax bracket? All those things fall into it because you don't want to go- bump yourself up into a higher tax rate, which makes your, your Social Security taxation. It could put you at a higher tax rate, either from 50 percent of your social security check being taxed or up to 85 percent of your check being taxed at whatever your rates are it could add an extra payment or an extra penalty cost to your medicare premiums so so take a look at all of this stuff uh when when you're doing it you know we're having lots of people that are looking to to do roth conversion exercises some people it's good some people it's kind of indifferent to and some people yeah they're, they're definitely going to be doing it so you know one of the uh, one of the great tools, whenever t- Congress changes taxes, is to really s- dive down and, and and take a good look at it. All. You're going to do some of that. Some seminars coming up too, right? We are. We have uh, some. You know, the, the the new tax information is uh, you know it's so big and it's so robust that I don't want to teach a seminar for four hours on on it because people would fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so so we we have uh, you know 100 and some slides ready to go. And we're not quite ready to go. We're, we're uh, you know, purging them down to make it more of a, a educational class. Uh, so we'll be we'll be rolling this out here in 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 the coming weeks soon. So we'll be we'll be hitting the airways with it in the whole DC metro area. Uh, we'll be doing lots of these educational seminars on them.
3: You know, sure. it sounds like to me. I mean, what, to be really honest with you, taxes, tax that that sounds a little bit like watching paint dry. But it's actually very very important to your future. But it's going to what's going to
1: happen so you these are these are good things to attend and learn about it really is chris stop and think for yourself what's the most expensive thing inside any investments well, some people say sales charges some people say the investment fees some people say advisor's costs but you know what the most expensive thing are taxes mm-hmm. find it a way it really to, is and at the end of the money. day remember the IRS still views our money through four different lenses okay um, there's there's several different tax bucket scenarios, but but basically four different lenses. You know, is the money being taxed each year that it's growing? You know, you get those 1099s on your dividends and capital uh, gains reinvestments, or you can put the money in pre-tax while it's there; it's growing tax deferred. But when it comes out, you have to pay taxes. On the other hand, when the money comes out, uh, or it could go in non-deductible and it and it grows tax deferred while it's in the account. When it comes out, the principal comes out tax-free, but the earnings comes out taxable. And then you have the Roth or tax-exempt money. So those are the four basic categories on how the IRS views our money through those four different lenses while the dollars are growing. We you gotta have got to find a way to fog those lenses up, man. Can't fog them up. I don't want them you seeing my money. You cannot fog them up. But you know, seriously, though, when you, when you stop and you look at it, you need tax diversification. You really do. You need asset allocation. You need product diversification and tax allocation. I was explaining to someone not too long about, about product, product diversification. What I mean by that is you know, take a look at all the investment products that you can put into your investment portfolios, if you will. You have mutual funds. You have open-end mutual funds and closed-end mutual funds. They both do different things. You have ETFs. You have ETNs, UITs, options, stocks. Bonds you have all these different things, and they all have pros and cons to them, okay, If you take a look at the the advantage of a mutual fund versus the disadvantage of a mutual fund, okay, there you are the advantage instant diversification, a lot of times professional money management, disadvantage you may get performance drag, meaning you know how if the mutual fund does ten percent in one year. How many of those stocks and bonds in there are actually responsible for that year's rate of return? And you'll find that it's probably 20, 30%. The rest of the stocks are just sort of floating along, right? Well, well, how does that, you know, well, what about if you went to go buy an ETF? Now you can buy something in a sector. You can buy something that that has less holdings in it to be more specific on what you're looking at or go all the way down to an individual stock or two.
3: We're going to have to send out a sheet, a TLA sheet, Larry, which is a three-letter acronym sheet so people can understand some of this. I mean, I know that a lot of those things that you talked about people know about like ETFs, that's pretty common these days, but some of some of these three-letter acronyms, they they can be a little bit uh, I don't understand. That.
1: They are like yeah. UITS, unit investment Trust. I, I didn't mean, know what that. Was. All, all different things. Yep, yep. I apologize for that, Chris. But you get caught up in the Wall Street talk. <laughs> no, you're good. You know, still. So, so. But st- seriously, though, that you know, when when you take a look at product diversification, which is what I was just talking about, and then you look at asset allocation, and then you look at tax allocation. And all three of those, those themes, if you will, need to be present in your financial planning, in your investment portfolio strategies, in order to make sure that you're really maximizing what the open market gives you when it comes to all of this stuff. Because at the end of the day, it's the net dollar, planning from a net perspective, net after taxes, fees, and inflation. That's the dollar that we get to take to the grocery store and spend. You know that that's that's the real dollar, Chris. So trying to
3: minimize those taxes any and every way you can, mm-hmm.
1: without a doubt. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, at, at, but at the same time, you don't want to be you don't want to be money foolish and tax wise. You know some people will say well i don 't want to sell this stock because it 's got such a high gain on it. Well, the stock's going down, 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 eating up your gains sooner or later, if the stock keeps going down or the mutual fund keeps going down, you may want to sell it and reap some profits versus waiting for it to go down to the price that you purchased to that, and then go, "Okay, now I can sell it and not have to worry about any tax well it didn 't do you any good right well, that 's right we you need didn't you to make yeah. any money, yeah, so sometimes people want to be money foolish and tax wise you definitely don 't want to do that." Mm-hmm. Either, you know, but you can with planning, you can you can play it all out and things like that. Hey, give us a quick call at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. With any of your financial planning or investment questions, give us a call. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense.
4: Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw in the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner, Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You're
3: listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, and if you'd like to dial in, here's our telephone number, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123, to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in studio. And by the way, if you'd like to get a copy of that financial planning toolkit to get started on sort of kind of organizing things and learning how to Sort of minimize these taxes we've been talking about. You can get a copy of that by dialing that telephone number anytime, day or night, all week long. And you don't charge for questions, do you, Larry? If you got a question, you can call
1: it any time. Sure. We got lots of people emailing us. They go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, they shoot me off an email. We get lots of questions during the week, or people just call uh, a lot of people call on Mondays. After they hear the radio show and they say, "Hey, I heard you talking about this, that, and the other. Can I get some of that information?" Absolutely. You know, we're we're working off of a list today here of sort of what keeps you up at night. Mm. Lots of questions categorized in different categories, educational planning, life events. You know, uh, uh, retirement planning. And here's, here's a question from 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 our uh, sources today on on retirement planning. Um, what what are the things that I I'm not asking as I approach getting close to retirement. What do I need to do now? What do I have to do with my house, my mortgage? What about car payments? Should I get a new car while I'm still working before I retire? Um, Should I refinance my house? Do I need long-term care insurance? My life insurance okay? What's the portability of my disability or life insurance? You know, disability insurance won't, won't, won't go if you retire. But, you know, can you convert your life insurance in retirement years? What should I do about claiming Social Security? When should I take Social Security? What's the formula for me and my family? Should I wait till I'm 70? Should I take it at 62? Should I take it at 67? What should I do? How should I plan out my Social Security options? The Social Security, Chris, is one of the largest financial decisions that people make uh, in their lives. It really is. When to take Social Security. Stop and think about this. Suppose somebody retires at 66, their normal retirement age, today, and and they say, okay, Social Security is going to give me a thousand dollars a month, but I'm going to wait till I'm 70 to take it. And they decide they're going to start pulling money out of their savings and investments a thousand dollars a month because they need that to live off of. Well, well, how does the math work on that? You know, your break-even point on that is probably around age 79 or 80, right? But you've now spent down some of your own money, and now you're going to have Social Security give you more at age 70. What happens if you died at 75? You lose, right? Remember, you can always pass your assets on to, to heirs. You can't pass your Social Security on to heirs. So a lot of times people, people get the wrong impression. So when we sit down with clients to do our Social Security timing uh, meeting with them, we put in all these different scenarios for them. Should you take Social Security now? Should you wait till you're 70 and take it? What are the reasons why? All that kind of. What's your health going to be like when you're 80 years old? You know, it really differs
3: these, to, for individuals too. There's no one formula. Exactly,
1: there. it does. And I put that all into their financial plan, and I just let the numbers speak for themselves. And say, okay, now you tell me which way do you think you should take Social Security? Most of the time, Chris, people take it earlier. Really? Is it because they yes. want to do that, or it's
3: because it's a bad thing to do?
1: It's because if you're if you're retired and you're using some of your own money, your own savings and investments, why would you do that versus using the social security money? In other words, you're saying government keep keep my money, government keep it i'm going <laughs> to spend down my other money
3: yeah, well, exactly why would you do that?
1: And when you run that out in a financial plan, it's a very different thing. Now, if you run the financial plan out to age 95 and, and, and assume somebody has great health all the way out, you know, I mean, there's lots of different scenarios that, that you really take a look at. Well, it. isn't there, I mean, when, so, you
3: th- when you think about the Social Security check that comes every month, I mean, that's probably what's in the back of a lot of people's mind. If I if I do that, I can also supplement that a little bit with some of my savings and investment and have a higher cost of uh, – a higher um,
1: living uh, ability. Standard, yes. Yeah. That's correct. That is correct. So that
3: if you take it earlier, you can still have a higher living standard, but it, isn't that one option versus others?
1: There are. There's many options. That's my point. Yeah. There's many options, and it's different for your family versus your neighbors versus your cousins versus your parents versus everybody. Yeah. It really is. It depends on your assets, your standard of living, your tax scenario too. It really does. It really, really does. You know, so that's that's something that's pretty pretty interesting. You know, and the and Social Security's done a great job as far as telling everyone, hey, if you wait to seventy, you'll get more money. That's true. Yeah, but but you, think... but you might not end up with more money. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because you're spending down some of your own, if if that's the if that's the case. So. Huge conversation. I know you
3: had that also in a, in a seminar at one point. It'd be a good one to revisit at some point.
1: Yep, yep. We've done lots of Social Security seminars over the years for people too. So, you know, big, big, big uh, uh, discussion there. You know, what about retirement investment options? How do you go back? You know, here's here's a question on what keeps you up at night. Are the investments that you're currently in? Let's take somebody who's who's maybe. 59, 61 years old, 62 years old, and they're going to retire in a year or two. Are those investments properly structured to go from a growth mode to now an income and growth mode once you start drawing money? In other words, the same investments that got you where you are may not be the same investments that you should keep in order to produce income and growth at the same time during your retirement years, because as we know, Chris, a lot of it's all about income when it comes down the road uh, in retirement years. So you have a growth mutual fund, a growth stock, whatever it may be, a growth ETF, and then all of a sudden you're you're sitting there in retirement and you're going, well, wait a minute, this isn't generating much income for me. I have to sell shares of this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't really want to do that. So so how do you go about infusing cash or? Income into your portfolio. Well,
3: shouldn't you start out with the buying stocks that pay dividends in the beginning, versus doing it later? Or
1: so stocks that pay good dividends, you know, high dividends. The average dividend rate in the S and P 500 is 2.1 percent. So if you have a stock maybe paying four, that stock may be a mature company, not necessarily a growth company. Versus a stock that's paying maybe a one percent dividend views itself more growth oriented. I see. So you want to have a different. Flavor of investments along the road definitely mm-hmm. is what you really need to, to to take a good solid look at doing. So, you know, uh, how do you consider? How do you how do you do that? How do you how much do you need when you want to retire? How much money will you want? How long will your dollars last? What's the type of of asset classes that you need to be put into? What happens if a long term care illness affects affects you or your spouse during your retirement years? You know all these different scenarios, all these different questions what keeps you up at night uh when it comes to to retirement planning and stuff so the good news is probably not a lot of these questions keep people up at night because you know they're not you know. The, hopefully they're 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 okay. Well, hopefully they've got planners like you, so they don't have to worry about it. They've got to get yeah, but but you know the the point is that there's lots of things to discuss inside this. I mean, we have a 130 point checklist when it comes to building a financial plan for clients,
2: mm.
1: and and uh, I've never had anybody utilize all 130, but we've gone through the list. So you know there's a, there's a lot of points when it when it comes to it, and and now we can probably add a couple of more with this new tax. Uh, Rule that just went through. So, So
3: Larry, if I wanted to just, I've been listening today. Say, I'm listening today, and I and I wanted to get a financial plan, and I wanted to because I'm realizing, hey, maybe some of these things I haven't thought about. Is that an expensive process? Is it going to cost me a lot of money to come see you?
1: No. So the way we do it is our first meet a meeting with some with a prospective new client is free, lasts about an hour, and ninety minutes or so, and it's basically a kick kick the tire scenario. You know, I'm I'm look I'm sitting down getting to know somebody for the first time, I want to understand what their risks are, their their cash flows, their opportunities, their their impediments to accomplish their goals. You know, I I want to understand what their time horizon is, the liquidity needs. What are your goals? You know, those are the things that we'll be talking about. And and they can and they kick the tires on me too, you know. Well, how do i get compensated what does it cost what's my investment strategies what are my buy sell decisions all this type of stuff you know how how does it all work and and so we sit down with somebody and we we do a free meeting the first meeting and at the end of the meeting you know if if there're things that i see that i can help them with then then we'll we'll talk about maybe getting back together again and 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 building a financial plan and you know we charge a fee for a financial plan uh, the fee ranges depending on what i see somebody somebody does and it's a one time fee and then at the end of that meeting they can decide you know hey do you want to continue to work with us, have us help do some insurance or money management or whatever? And then we discuss how that would work going forward. But but the way our financial plan works is it's very dynamic. It's it's up to date. It's 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 alive. It's if you go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, you click on the video there, you'll see an illustration of our financial plan. Our financial plan updates all of your values each night you you link it up with all of your accounts and it and it rolls it in each night when the market closes and and, and it updates and refreshes overnight. so every day you have a current financial plan based off of your current assets liabilities as it's applying against your goals and time horizons and things like that. So
3: what would you say to to somebody who who says, well, I I, I, I don't like my stuff kind of private. I don't like people to know all of my stuff. Would you keep every, I mean, what is your confidentiality policy policy, uh, on those things?
1: Well, obviously, I mean, they need to disclose stuff. To the planner, to me, sure. or, or one of the advisors, because we need to know what to do. But, yeah, everything's kept private.
3: It's confidential you know? at that point. You're not telling anybody about it. You're not using their names. Chris, or... the
1: only thing I would do is, is I would hang all your stuff up on the Internet. Other than that, <laughs> nobody else would I do that to. Just me, yeah. right? Yep, yep. Oh, you're such no, a No, nice it's all confidential. There's all kinds of rules circulating around that. Yeah. Definitely confidential stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, with, without a doubt. So. No no doubt about that. And that's, you know, that's the same in any profession. You know, I go to my CPA and say, hey, I know you work with my friend. What's his stuff like? He's not going to tell me.
3: How much money does
1: he have? Or he better not tell me, right? right. You know?
3: If he does, you'd be worried about him, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
1: So time to
3: change, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, I think I need a new CPA if you're be broadcasting that stuff.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, let's, let's just keep this real, too, because, you know, we talk a lot about money on this show and, and – and we also need to understand from a biblical perspective, too, whose dollars these are and what our responsibility is. You know, Jesus spoke more about money in the Bible than he spoke about prayer or or uh, 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 faith. You know, so, so money is a big, big subject. You know, he knew that it was going to become a competitive thing, um, you know, that people will always be seeking after. And we need to keep it real and, and understand that our, our treasures aren't here Money is a tool and it can be used for good. You know, it it really can to to further the Lord's kingdom. Start figuring out, start thinking about how can we, how do we help this week? How do we help people this week? You know, let's get out there and do some random acts of kindness, you know, and and, and not boast about it. And and just sort of, you know, use some of the the assets that the Lord's given us to to help others that are in need. Amen. You know, the, the poor, I mean, just whoever it is, help somebody out. You know, that's what it's there for. It's not there for, for hoarding and, and things of that nature. Yeah, the Lord wants us to be successful, and he wants us to, to have good things and enjoy. But at the same time, you know, there's there's a whole different type of joy in when it comes to, to giving, too. And it doesn't so have to, to be
3: money-related. Right now, there may be somebody's no, backyard no. that's got a bunch of, uh, you know, debris in it because of this wind. I mean, there's lots of things you can do.
1: There's all kinds of things you can do, Chris. I'll be over it.
3: I know, Larry. You're like saying, okay, I got stuff in my backyard. Get over here.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So you have stuff in your backyard from your neighbors, and I'm sure your neighbors have stuff in their backyard from you, right? Probably. Is that how it works? We get to know each other. Now
3: we get to talk to each other for once, you know? (laughs) There you go.
1: There you go. So, but seriously, stop and think about that. You know, let's, let's, let's try and focus this coming week here on what, what the Lord wants us to do with the resources he's given us. Uh, to further his kingdom and growth, so definitely. Hey, if you have questions during the week, give my office call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Or go to my website, com and shoot me off an email. Uh, we'd be happy to, to answer any of your questions. If you want to get a copy of our What Keeps You Up at Night literature we we're reading off of today, feel free to go ahead and give us a ring on Monday, and, and we'll send that out to you. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next Saturday with another session, The Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense.